everyone, and welcome to the WIM Podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing, or WIM for short, is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing, advertising trends, and get real about women in business. Our mission is to network, to foster leaders within this exciting industry, and to share information to make our work stronger. That's where this podcast comes in. We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim.com. Today, we have Corinne Waite, Director of Influencer Marketing at Lippy Taylor Group, who has been immersed in the world of social media and influencer marketing for nearly a decade. Prior to joining the LT family in April 2018, she spent three years building the influencer offering at Horizon Media, one of the largest independent media agencies in the U.S. Her client experience spans various industries, particularly focused in the areas of CPG, beauty, food and beverage, health, retail, and entertainment. Applying her expertise in the social space to real-world scenarios has become a pet project for her in the most literal sense. Check out at Norman underscore Bassett on Instagram for gratuitous Basset Hound photos. And in fact, we were just checking out Norman underscore Bassett on Instagram for really adorable, gratuitous, but emphasis on adorable Basset Hound photos. So welcome to the podcast, Corinne. Thank you so much. I'm <laughs> not too gratuitous. <laughs> not not too gratuitous, um, but you know they might get more gratuitous. We want to get people like really excited to tune in, oh, you know, okay. to the Instagram account. Um, and I think it's worth noting that uh, they're pretty freaking adorable photos. I mean, he's a, he's a basset hound. He's great content fodder. What can I say? Lots of wrinkles, lots of cankles. <laughs> Lots of borks. <laughs> and and Norman was with a friend. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so Sally is his girlfriend. Um, Sally lives in the East Village. We live on in Long Island City. And uh, the two of them had a little boy-girl slumber party last weekend. Um, my fiancé and I had to go out of town. And so um, our Bassett-in-laws um, <laughs> got to hang out with Norman all weekend. And there was just quite a lot of adorable content that resulted. I mean, that's kind of incredible. Um, JoJo is actually sitting here right now as we record this podcast. And the last time Corinne and I got breakfast, JoJo also joined, which is my pup. So I think that, why isn't Norman here? Why isn't Norman here? Because he's um, he's a little cumbersome. <laughs> he's he's kind of a bratwurst-sized dog. If by bratwurst you mean roughly sixty pounds, um, so he's a little hard to uh, to travel with. He he does like the ferry. I've taken him on the ferry a couple times. Um, and got a, got a follow or two from the captain of the ferry and, um, you know, the, the ticket checker. Um, so so he, he does have some fans on the NYC ferry route. Does the dog have to be in – is it, like, the same rules as the subway? Like, the dog has to be in a bag or with a muzzle in order to be on the ferry? So, like, it says that, but <laughs> I've never seen – well, beyond small dogs that can easily fit in a bag, I've never seen a big dog – in a bag on the ferry. Granted, I've only seen like a few other dogs on the ferry, but it's my new favorite form of transportation since since it stops effectively like across the street from my apartment. Um, so I I plan to be taking it a lot this summer. That's awesome. Um, 
That's awesome. Everyone's like really into the fairies though, actually. And we, like I work and live downtown and like, so they're pretty pervasive and like, it's like in the summer. It's like the epitome of like, I'm not in a rush. I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat. It's my flippy floppies. <laughs> I am so excited for you to be on the podcast today for a variety of different reasons. Um, we're going to talk all about Norman. We're going to talk all about your flippy floppies. <laughs> And a couple other things maybe related to influencer marketing, but no pressure. Like, if we get to it. it. So first and foremost, we like went over a little bit in the intro, of course, about like your past and how where you are presently. But tell us a little bit about, in your words, your career path and sort of like how you really ended up to where you are today. Yeah. Um, Well, I started um, in influencer marketing kind of on a long and winding road. So in undergrad, I was a music major. Um, I studied clarinet performance for a couple years at Ithaca College. And then after my sophomore recital, I was like, no, <laughs> not not interested really anymore. I mean, I, I love music and I was very good at music history, music theory. Um, but the whole performance thing, I had really bad performance anxiety. And um, fortunately, Ithaca College had, or has, they still have, a very great um, communications department. And so I picked up integrated marketing communications as my outside field. There's this degree program, Music with an Outside Field. That's what I did. Um, And so I worked in PR at a very, very small boutique agency um, on 20th Street for my first job out of undergrad hey, it was 2008. So um, I so I worked there for four minutes and then I started folding jeans at American Eagle. <laughs> so I did that for about a year and a half, um, living in my grandma's basement, very casual, normal, <laughs> cute. And, um, and then I was like, I got to do something else. And so I was, you know, interested in the business side of retail um, and so I started, you know, figuring out what, what to do next. I took the GRE, I took the GMAT. Um, I ended up going to business school at the University of Pittsburgh, got my MBA, thought I was going to work in planning and allocations and retail. I was like, oh, well, American Eagle's uh, home office is in Pittsburgh, so that's, that's what I'm going to do. And then I was like, I don't, I don't like this. So um, I, I still gravitated towards marketing um, as, as a concentration. And, you know, I really enjoyed the classes that I took on the marketing side of things. I took one very interesting Tuesday evening course, um, in social media because it was still 2011, 2010. And so, you know, not really the, the depths of social media that we've kind of come to see today. Um, but we did a lot of different case studies um, around social media marketing. And so I started doing a couple internships that led to um, a full-time position after I graduated at um, a startup in Pittsburgh that was launching this app. And so I launched their social media strategy from the ground up. They folded. <laughs> and it was perfect timing because I was kind of sick of Pittsburgh. I'd lived there for three years. It's a great city, but, you know, it's kind of small. Um, and so I was looking to come back to New York anyway. And, um, and so I 
I did. And I had a really great summer of concert tickets that I had already purchased when I when I lost my job. So it was it was the summer of Corinne. Um, and then I started working at HL Group um, on their social media team, doing like everything social for about like six clients at a time. Um, it was it was definitely a lot. It was a great learning experience, but I wanted to focus a little bit more. Um, and so the role that I previously had at Horizon opened up focusing on influencer marketing. And, you know, I'd done some influencer marketing, but, you know, that wasn't my core focus. And I really enjoyed it. So I thought I'd kind of take the plunge and um, try for that role. And, and I got it. And uh, that kind of led me on the path. Long and winding road. Long and winding road. I mean, you were telling me how you've definitely listened to like past episodes of this podcast and like everyone has a long and winding road to influencer marketing because nobody knew it could be a job, you know, just even a few years ago. Um, and some people still don't. My, yeah. So, uh, so what's an influencer? Um, (laughs) are you on the internet? Um, so yeah. So, you know, I would ask though, you know, having some really relevant agency experience of varying different sizes, and you said, you know, you went from startups to smaller companies to larger agencies, you know, what are some of the differences? Like if people are listening and wanting to explore different options, maybe they come from a larger agency and they're curious about what a smaller one would be like and what are the benefits of that or vice versa, or, you know, someone in school who just wants, you know, their first job in influencer marketing, what are the differences between the agencies and your experience, some of the pros of each and cons, if you're brave enough to tell us? Yeah, um, I think... The, the larger the agency, the more resources and, and bandwidth you're, you're going to ultimately have to play with. Um, that, I think, is the biggest takeaway. Ultimately, since influencer, since so many different parties have their hands in influencer marketing, whether it's the brand themselves or whether it's the PR agency, the media agency, the creative agency, the social agency, you know, someone down the street that just has some extra product, <laughs> things of that nature, I think... I think there's a little bit of, um, you know, kind of jockeying for a position to be able to be the one that's truly managing the program or being the AOR for influencer um, to kind of ensure that people are speaking the same language for the brand across all of the different stakeholders that that do have skin in the game. Um, and so I think I think it also comes down to, you know, what's the ultimate goal in, in using influencers? Like for for you know, a media agency, it might be that they're looking more for efficiencies and, um, you know, to leverage that creative in a paid capacity or through programmatic or things like that. Um, whereas for from a PR agency perspective, you know, oftentimes we're working a little bit more on an organic standpoint. Um, we're starting to now do more with paid, knowing that the algorithm shifts are screwing with everything. Um, and but I think it's still requiring more education of clients to say, like, you know, the dollars just aren't going this as far as they used to on an organic standpoint. So it's I think in in every sort of environment, there is still a lot of education that needs to happen um, when you do have a client that that gets it it's great <laughs> but, you know, at the end of the day, there's still a lot of education taking place regardless of environment. 
Definitely. And so, you know, when it comes to that educational piece, um, what do you think people still need to be educated about? I mean, I feel like the assumption is like, oh, where we've been doing this for a decade now. Like everybody knows what they need to know. But like, I'm sure you're still finding even people who maybe consider themselves well-educated still not knowing everything about this industry. So, um, or, you know, the best practices or the best way to have this be really successful. So like, what would you tell people? I mean, like, I think there's a lot of self-education that needs to happen regardless of how many years you've been in the industry, um, since everything's shifting constantly, which is what I like about it. Um, it, it means that you need to spend the time to understand, like, what's changed on Instagram? What can't you do anymore? <laughs> what new tags are there? Like, there, there are so many ways in which something that was the norm becomes completely obsolete overnight that I think, you know, that's one of the bigger challenges with regards to education. Also, as new opportunities crop up, I think a lot of times, both internally and among clients and externally, you know, everywhere, people are a little hesitant to be the first one to take the plunge and really experiment. Um, and so I think it's really understanding what the value might be for a new opportunity and and if effectively explaining that to the people who are the ultimate decision makers. So what about like IGTV? Because <clears throat> I feel like that's such an interesting thing. Um, we record these podcasts like week of. So um, this should be really relevant still to people who are listening. Um, you know, IGTV, when it first came out, like, yeah, maybe there was like a day or so that, you know, people were like, oh my God, Instagram TV. And everybody like recorded their first one and it was so pervasive. And then... It just dot, dot, dot. Like, it just went dot, dot, dot. And it just, everyone was like, oh, God, what a big epic failure IGTV was. And now it's making this huge resurgence because it's like, well, I don't know, maybe maybe because of a few different reasons. But, you know, you're seeing it in the feed now. Um, so, like, what, I don't know, what are your thoughts on IGTV currently? I think the, the ways in which Instagram kind of um, seeded to the community <laughs> and made some updates to that extension of the platform in a way that means that people will actually see the content and potentially engage with it was super important <laughs> because so when it when it first rolled out I like uploaded a, a few old puppy videos from Norman to like his Instagram to IGTV um, and were people watching it I guess kind of there were, they were well yeah there I mean like, I mean like obviously um, no but but ultimately, was it getting as many views as on his feed? No, not at all. And I was like, all right, well, this is, this is fine. And so I think once you started seeing it, seeing previews in, the, in your news feed, that was definitely a little bit more of an indicator that they were willing to tweak the system in order to kind of double down on it. Um, I think it's... I, from a storytelling perspective, I think it's a great opportunity to be able to tell a more long-form story. Um, you know, people who are strong on YouTube, I think, could easily migrate to IGTV in a way that, that makes sense. Um, but that being said, I think there's still a little hesitation as far as, like, is this really moving the needle? Is this able to do, or can this do something that, like, is, is meaningful. 
And isn't it interesting that it's called like IGTV? No one really talks about this, but like, I don't know, like TV in general is becoming like a little bit more obsolete. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I'm a millennial and so... I'm one of the few people that I, I don't want to be a hypocrite here, because I am one of the few people that I know who, like, still has a cable package. Do you? Okay, okay. So. I'll tell you why. We have a cable package because my fiance watches a lot of um, Premier League soccer. (laughs) And so we have, like, NBC Sports and... He's like an Arsenal fan. It's like sports news. Yeah. And also I watch a lot of MSNBC. Like, Same. Yeah. Um, so, so that's definitely why. I mean, I think we would probably still have it anyway just out of habit. Like we watch Food Network Saturday mornings mm-hmm. and like shout out to Reed Drummond with the Basset Hounds. I mean, <laughs> I mean like um, yeah. So, so I mean like we're definitely – old millennials i guess in that respect exactly and so us old millennials aside i guess these elder millennials yeah. they call us yeah. i think yeah ugh, who wants to be an elder, elder. <laughs> elder. <laughs> but like elder millennials aside you know a lot of most people younger than us are not really watching tv anymore like they don't have cable subscriptions um in fact i know like my local cable provider recently called me and was trying to solicit that they have streaming channels now so that you know for all those all that business that they lost for people that used to uh, subscribe to cable you can pick like you know 15 or so of your favorite channels for like significantly less uh, versus like only having Netflix because everybody has Netflix. So my question, you know, I guess what I'm getting at is like, it's interesting that like IGTV, that was the direction that they went in. It wasn't really working. Um, You know, going back to some older sort of media and and trying to make that work. But the point is, I guess it seems they're they're trying for it to make a resurgence. I think it's also that it's... It, to me, it doesn't seem like it's really TV. Right. And so I think I think the name is a little bit of a disconnect from what it actually is. Well, sh- sure, there are people out there that are pull- putting out, like, regular episodes of things and, like, taking advantage of the TV-ness of the platform. I think, generally speaking, it's still more just, like, longer-form videos that would otherwise just be on your feed. It definitely gives, like, a good storytelling opportunity, but at the same time, I think it's it's still more that, like, that that just, like, hey, guys, it's me, like, <laughs> that type of content. And that's that, – no, and we all know that type of content. <laughs> um, and so, like, I think that's – maybe, like, that's the – that's part of the issue – Potentially, right? It's like, it's what is IGTV trying to be? Because I know if you speak to Instagram, they will tell you, you need, like, in order to, you know, really maximize the algorithm, you need to post uh, IGTVs, you know, pretty frequently. Um, But, you know, like, how are you doing that and making it seem interesting? Like, what are you putting out there? Like, what episodes are you putting out there? What type of content are you putting out there to make it seem interesting? Because then, of course, from a branding perspective, like, if you're wanting to, like, be pseudo-adventurous and, like, test out, you know, a a side of Instagram that people aren't necessarily utilizing the most and you want to explore IGTV, like it needs to seem, like it can't seem like the only IGTV this person's ever done is your brand integration. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that's also a lot of the trouble. Like we did a campaign like back when IGTV was first starting to be a thing. (laughs) <laughs> and, and we had someone um, 
or our client was curious about it. So we had, we asked them if they were able to um, post the video that they had originally been filming for their feed to their IGTV to see like what kind of, you know, return it would get. And it was like none (laughs) Um, because like there, that's when it was first getting off the ground. And the fact that you had to physically click out to view anything that like, that's such a huge barrier to entry that, of course, it's not going to be super successful. And, you know, of course, we did everything we could to try and manage expectations. But, you know, sometimes you just have to test the waters. Um, but I think, you know, you're exactly right with regards to if if it's that you're going to be partnering with someone to do an IGTV video, it shouldn't, like, the, the piece of branded content shouldn't be the only IGTV video that they have living on their platform at all. <laughs> Like, so, you know, but let's say that it is because there's not that many people that are just like using IGTV potentially and maybe that influencer is just so perfect for your brand. So like then it probably makes more sense to have it just be like an add-on, you know, like a further, uh, an additional piece to like a more full campaign where they're, you know, putting content on all over Instagram, maybe something on YouTube, like elsewhere. Like, what do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, like as... As a standalone deliverable, I don't think it makes sense at this point still. I think it should certainly be a part of a larger scope of work. And ultimately, a lot of what we're doing lately is um, kind of connecting with individual talent to understand what platforms they feel like are working best for them. there are definitely a bunch of clients that are that are willing to explore this prior to being like okay so every influencer is going to create this scope of work and have one instagram info post with one instagram story with two to three frames things like that and so i think they're a little bit more flexible um other clients of course you know they they need specific deliverables for a certain reason um but i think as we have those more collaborative clients that are willing to kind of you know be a little bit more malleable um, in the ways that we're partnering with talent, then I think, you know, being able to understand if an IGTV video is even worthwhile for that person is certainly going to be a part of the conversation. And that's interesting, right? I mean, I don't see that very often, which is, you know, an agency reaching out to a management company on behalf of the brand and saying, you know, we're open to doing whether it's a YouTube video or an I like an Instagram video, like an in-feed video or an IGTV. And like you tell us like which one would perform best and why, you know, I mean, I get it. You're like, we're trying to all do this at scale in most cases. So it's difficult to like have lengthy conversations from even from the onset. Um, but if that was possible... That would be really interesting. Yeah, and I think increasingly it's it's being done among some of our clients that have a little bit more influencer experience under their belts at this point, um, and you know are accustomed to the fact that not every influencer is going to have the same performance across the board on a certain piece of content, and um, they're they're willing to you know test it out a little bit more and just understand you know like what what's the most optimal mix of um, content pieces that that will perform best. And so you were talking a little bit before about like managing expectations. And I feel like that's such a huge piece regardless of what, like from what perspective you are in this like 
influencer marketing ecosystem. Um, we're all trying to just manage everyone's expectations. I always like to remind people there are influencers out there that like they've never had a job before. So like this is their job and like they've never been told, you know, what a deadline is or like any repercussions for not hitting it. Um, you know, a variety of different things that you learn just having had a job before. Um, some of these people have never had one. Um, and so for a variety of different reasons, we're all trying to manage expectations. Um, and in doing so, um, what are some tips and tricks that you can give people in regards to setting expectations? Because I'm sure it's important from the very beginning yeah. to do so. Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge fan of caveats and asterisks. <laughs> um Ultimately, it's kind of a two-way street, right? You're setting this timeline at the onset of a campaign and based on, you know, holding up your end of the deal as far as delivering whatever piece of content or just a concept or, um, you know, any sort of overview strategy, et cetera, that's required at the beginning of a campaign, like then the client on their end needs to do everything on their side to ensure that they're able to deliver in a timely fashion as well to stay on track. And I think that that's one of the hardest pieces of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. Um, The timeline is constantly in flux for however many crazy reasons. Um, You know, at the end of the day, we're working with people like influencers, I think sometimes clients or agencies or whomever forget are actually people and not just media placements. And and so like there are human elements that are going to fall into the mix and kind of screw with your timeline. <laughs> um, but I think also like I'm a huge, I'm a huge believer in over communication. Like I I have definitely seen too many times in my career like something just kind of fall through the cracks for lack of over communication and so like I now (laughs) just make sure to get it in writing (laughs) say it again and again. For, for sure. It's funny. My um, my company recently did DISC profiles. Are you familiar with like personality profiles? DISC? Oh, okay. So I won't bore you with the details, no, but it's great. also really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, it's pretty fascinating, actually. So it's all about like, are you a dominant personality? Um, what is I? Like, I think it might actually be like influencer to be honest, uh, something like that. Oh, but well. <laughs> <laughs> LOL. Um, I is like influencer, but it's like a very like extroverted type personality. Uh, S is like a, a rule follower and a C is like a compliance person. So like it's just the type of personality. And so you're talking about like over communication and like crossing your, your T's and dotting your I's, right? And I'm like, what a C-type role that would be. And like someone who's just like naturally. That's hysterical. <laughs> someone who is just like very um, into things being precise. And, like, how necessary those types of people are in this business. And, you know, on the conversely, you know, how the the extroverted people are also part of this industry, you know, with the the events that go on and, you know, being with the talent and Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, So when it comes to managing expectations and over-communicating, like, I usually tell people, you know, 
it's always important to touch base with your client, whoever that is in the equation. Also, when things like when shit hasn't hit the fan, because that's building that trust. And that trust is so important uh, when it comes to these relationships and managing expectations because they feel like you've got it. You're on it. And, you know, how's your how's your Monday? Oh, things are good. Um, Just like a normal touch base with no drama so that when there is some drama, it's not as like it's not undoubtedly there will be it's yeah. not quite it doesn't feel quite as much of a fire yeah and like I was actually having this conversation with someone today um you know we're about to move to contract for one of our campaigns and we have like a couple talent who have verbally you know, expressed interest and so I was like great like this is great news we should just share this update with the client we before we move to contract so that it's not like oh we already did this yes. <laughs> BT dubs <laughs> um and yeah it's it's exactly that like great update we have a couple people who have expressed interest and are definitely down to clown the cloud i gotta use that oh my god that's so good but yeah essentially you know it's 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 uh it's continuing the communication when there's not a fire you know and like it's all about relationship building as well so speaking of relationship building the other part of whim you know beyond the influencer marketing specific side of it is you know just like women in business and building relationships with other women other professional women so you know if you could, you know, share something that you've personally learned, you know, as a successful woman in business and, you know, continuing to progress throughout your career, um, you know, what would you tell other women um, who are looking to be successful also in this industry? Oh, my God. I've literally gave, given this piece of advice um, like a couple times in the past few weeks. It keeps coming up. Um I would say that it's always better to like share what your recommendation is in the form of a sentence versus asking whether what you're going to do is right. I love that. I love that. I'm like, you sound so much more, you know, like convinced yourself that you know what the next step is when you say, I'm going to do this next. Let me know if you want to look at it or if you need my or need to sign off, things like that, versus is it okay if I go out to this person and do X, Y, and Z? Oh, it's so good. That's so I'm good. like I'm like you infinitely just gained further, you know, trust and respect for me by saying that you you know that this is the right next step mm-hmm. versus can I do this? Is that okay? It's yeah, that's so, so good. And that's like, oh, that's like exactly what we're looking for. Like, I I love like actionable things like little you'll have to sort of reprogram yourself to a certain extent. I'm sure that there's a lot of history in which that comes from and why people ask if it's okay and ask for permission. Yeah. But uh, it's essentially, it's like, isn't it just like giving yourself permission, whatever? Well, I don't know why you need the permission, so give it to yourself yeah. <laughs> in order to make a recommendation. Yeah, no, the the couple girls that I that are on my team um, that I gave this advice to in the, in the past few weeks, they're, they're both a little bit more junior and, you know, start just starting out their careers. And so this is admittedly like one of their first go-rounds in, in influencer marketing. And so they definitely you know, are a little bit n- more nervous, I'm sure. Um, but at the same time, like, one of them has run a few campaigns with me at this point. And so, like, you should know you should know what's going on. But instantly, 
um, I've, I've seen improvements in that respect just by saying, like, let me give you a little tip. <laughs> That's so good. And yeah. just, like, you know, oh, and how, like, incredible that is also for you to be able to do that. Because, like, there are some people who are more senior in this industry or any industry that they don't necessarily feel like they need to take on this like mentorship role like you didn't need to say that to them you didn't have to go out of your way it's only to their benefit I mean you can arguably (laughs) say that it's for everybody's benefit of course but like from an altruistic standpoint like it's certainly to their benefit as well Um, especially phrasing it as you did Um, and that's such a great thing to be able to to share with somebody yeah and I think I think ultimately it's it's been nice the way that my role at Lippy is is set up because basically like I don't have a team team of of like influencer underlings for lack of a mm-hmm. better word. Um, it's ideal largely with the account teams that have you know people on their side that are able to execute these programs with my strategic oversight and so the fact that you know some of them might not be experts in influencer marketing and and need a little bit more guidance or handholding or what have you i think that has given me an opportunity to really kind of help them grow in that capability on on their own side and hiring is such a <clears throat> like a beast of a thing so from your perspective i'm sure to be able to um pinpoint a someone with a lot of potential and invest in them and sort of see them grow into their own is so rewarding is so beneficial to everybody like the company's bottom line because they they grow in your culture um, of your company and you can also have the ability to mold them how you want to mold them versus sort of like a plug-and-play situation bringing in somebody from the outside necessarily who's like already programmed a bit to like their you know their way Um, but what a great investment that is to be able to what a great investment and and what you know that's that's really the spirit of whim also you know it's about um just knowing that like we're all in it together Mm -hmm. um and you know if I help you you're gonna help me and like it'll better the industry as a whole I mean we all have to remember just like it feels like just a few years ago people were like I don't know if it's like is this really going to like be a long-term thing? You know, are you, you really want to go full force into this? Like, do you really think you're going to have a job in this sort of industry in like 20 years? Like, are you sure this is the direction you want to go in? And, you know, I, I still think that we're still proving our industry yeah. to a lot of people still to this day. And I think that remembering that is humbling and I think it's important um, because we shouldn't get too comfortable um, in my opinion and I think that you know maintaining that idea and in addition you know mentoring some people who are who are um, you know more junior to us is a great investment in in assuring that our industry is here to stay you know definitely yeah Um, my next question for you is what do you wish someone had told your younger self that would have given you a professional or personal advantage today? Um, intern. <laughs> so because my college career kind of put me in the, in the square in the middle of two different um, schools, I feel like I kind of fell through the cracks a little bit with regards to career development. Um, and so I, 
you know, I had like a two week internship during winter break senior year. <laughs> and, and that was it. And that was legit it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, like, kids these days are like just going after it and crushing it in, in their internships, like their whole college career. Like, what else do you do during the summer now? I mean, like, I know that between junior and senior year, I was folding jeans at American Eagle and going to the pool and the gym, taking a nap and then going to the bar. <laughs> so so I spent my summers um, really well. But I feel like it could have been a, obviously a very good opportunity to kind of learn the ins and outs of working in an office and normal work stuff that, <laughs> that I feel like I obviously picked up along the way. But, um, but I think not having done that maybe set me back a little bit. So intern. (laughs) So intern. And interning is so important. I mean, there's so many valuable things I think that interning gets you. One of them that people don't really like discuss quite as often maybe is just like networking while you're interning. I mean, you know, you and I, well, where did, you said you grew up in Pennsylvania? No, I grew up in Syracuse. You grew up in Syracuse. Okay. So outside the city and then went to school in Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh. Right. And so, you know, being outside of a major city, you know, whether you're born there, whether you went to school there or however you end up there, like it's, it's hard to network, um, not being in a major city or maybe having an idea of a major city that you ultimately want to end up in and not quite being there to start making those connections so what an incredible opportunity it would be to just like yeah I'm gonna spend like three months there like building my network the sooner you can start doing that the better yeah and I'm also like a very extroverted introvert and so networking is horrible (laughs) um but I I feel like even once I had begun my career just like networking in the way that one should and even to this day it makes me like sweaty and very uncomfortable um (laughs) but I think that you just have to like I don't know grit your teeth grin grin and bear it grin and bear it yeah yeah. Grin and Barrett. And oh, and what can we talk about networking, you know? Because, um, I mean, we get this a lot in WIM, too. We have these, like, in-person events, and which usually start with some sort of panel discussion. <laughs> and wine so that people will get there and stay. Um, and then sip a little, and after, there's some networking. And inevitably, we always have to sort of push people uh, like out of their chairs and push them away from who they came with to the event to sort of you know um, make new connections Um, are there any things that you've learned over the years having had networking not necessarily come to you so easily everyone feels awkward (laughs) I mean like I I still sometimes can't get past that and then I'm just like in my phone and like eating the cheese but 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 also (laughs) like I think if some, I, I always just go to someone who's like sitting, also sitting by themselves, because generally speaking, I come to these things by myself. Um, but, and a, as my career has progressed, I find that there are more people that I've either met once or am friends with that like it's less of a big deal. Um, but I mean, like, Everyone's watching Netflix, so there's always something to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Having, like, culturally relevant, like, (laughs) one-liners. It's definitely helpful to breaking the ice, for sure. I was told that, you know, getting, finding um, not a group of two, but finding, like, a random group of three is helpful. 
because yeah and because like there's always one person that's probably feeling a little awkward or like not included in the conversation so either you break off with that person or i don't know it just makes the conversation more well-rounded somehow someone told me that yeah i feel like i saw that somewhere recently actually and i don't remember where but um Jojo just wants some chin chin rubs right now. Um, but I, yeah, I probably do that too. I don't know. Or else I just like ease my way in and like sh- throw some elbows into um, into a conversation. And I don't know. Yeah. Make it happen. And yeah, make it happen. And, you know, it's just getting, it's just diving in, you know? It's like, I feel like half of it is just like the anxiety and the anticipation of like what it's going to be like. But, you know, it's. What do we even talk about? What do we even talk about? And like, yeah, everyone's feeling the same anxiety. It's just like, it's just getting over that mental barrier is is at least half the battle. At least half the battle. Um, So interning for sure. Interning can lead to networking and that's a lot of what whim is about so um so on brand of you to say those oh my things God. it's like it's like i just you know and the core ethos of whim <laughs> so corinne um i'm sure a lot of members would love to touch base with you and learn more about um about your company, about what you do. Um, so where can everyone find you? Um, I'm on the social medias at Corinne Waite, C-O-R-I-N-N-E-W-A-I-T-E. Um, my email is cwaite at lippytaylor.com. Um, Norman's Instagram is at Norman underscore Bassett with one T. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, that's, I don't know, I'm on, I'm on the internets. She's on the internets, guys, and she is incredible. So I highly recommend befriending her and, and networking with her, but befriending her because she's great. And, you know, Norman's pretty cool, too. He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for being on the podcast today. You are such a treat. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you everyone so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We love comments, so comment on this podcast and we may shout you out on our next episode. Join us next time and thanks for tuning in.